I want to read again this passage of Scripture, 1 Kings 3, verses 5 through 14. This will be the last Sunday, although we could continue to be on this, but we need to move on. <clears throat> but we've been talking about for the past three Sundays, what are we asking, allowing God to do at Theresa Baptist Church and even in our life? And as a scriptural basis for this, we've read out of 1 Kings 3. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream that night and told him to ask for anything he wanted and it would be given to him. Solomon replied, you were wonderfully kind to my father David because he was honest and true and faithful to you and obeyed your commands. And if you have continued your kindness to him by giving him a son to succeed him. O oh Lord, my God, now you have made me the king instead of my father, David. But I am as a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am among your own chosen people, a nation so great that there are almost too many people to count. Give me an understanding mind. You remember as we've been studying this, literally in the Hebrew it means a hearing heart. A heart that would listen to the voice of God. Give me an understanding mind so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between what is right and what is wrong, for who by himself is able to carry such a heavy responsibility. The Lord was pleased with his reply and was glad that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So he replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people and haven't asked for a long life or riches for yourself or the defeat of your enemies, Yes, I'll give you what you've asked for. I will give you a wiser mind than anyone else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you didn't ask for, riches and honor. And no one in all the world will be as rich and famous as you for the rest of your life. And I will give you a long life if you follow me and obey my laws as your father did. Folks, you and I have been talking about what we as a church should ask God ask God to give for us. And you remember, we've already mentioned two things. And again, <clears throat> just want to quickly review. Number one, and I pray that we're genuinely doing this. We're asking that God would give us the harvest of more people coming to know and experience Jesus as their personal Savior. That is my heart's desire. It really is that this church be a lighthouse to the lost. And, folks, there are so many people that are within reach of us and in and, and our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our circle of friends that do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ. Would we pray for them? Would we set the Christ-like example? Would we invite them to the house of God to worship and hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the second thing we were going to ask God for was to give revival to our church. And you remember that we've been using 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 4 as a scriptural basis for finding revival or having revival. Listen again to this verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. According to that verse of Scripture, there are four requirements for revival. And again, I ask you, you and I to look at these seriously, and we've already looked at the first three, okay? First of all, and he's speaking to his people, if my people, that would be the New Testament equivalent to the church, if my church will humble themselves, number one, if they will pray, number two, if they will seek my face, and we've already looked at each one of those. This morning, I want us to look at the fourth requirement for revival, and that is to turn from their wicked ways. 
Folks, the Lord Jesus would tell you and I as individual Christians and as the church of Jesus Christ that we need to turn from our wicked ways. That means to turn away from sin, to turn away from being self-centered and self-controlled and turn back to God and the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord. And folks, to me, this is the biblical understanding of repentance when we turn back to God. I want to ask three very honest questions this morning. What sins, this is the first question, what sins are you and I allowing to remain unconfessed and unwilling to give up in our hearts as Christians and even as a church? Some sins in our life everybody knows about. Let's be honest. If we, if we use the wrong language that does not honor Christ, if we are high-tempered, if we have a tendency to gossip, people will know about that. If we have actions that obviously a Christian should not be doing and a church should not be doing, if our character is not portraying Christ, well, everybody will see that and everybody will know that. And you know that's true because you know that about me. There are some actions in my life that as a pastor that I should not be doing in my speech, my action, my character, and you can see that. But folks, this morning, I want you to think about something else. What about our sin that is so private, but is entrenched in our hearts and in our minds? And many of us, and again, I'm including myself, we think that we're hiding our sin from those about us. Therefore, we must be hiding our sin from God. And folks, here's something that you and I need to be reminded of. We cannot hide sin from God. This is Psalms 90 verse 8. And this is out of the Amplified Bible. Listen to this verse. Our iniquities, our secret heart and its sins, which we would so like to conceal even from ourselves, You have set in the revealing light of your countenance. And folks, Psalms 90, the inscription on that psalm says it is a prayer of Moses. Moses lived thousands of years ago, but yet in grappling with his own human nature and his own tendency to sin against God, Moses discovered that he might be able to hide sin from those around him, but he could not hide sin from God. And folks, as Christians, as a church, you and I need to be reminded of some things about sin. Sin separates us from God. Now, as a Christian, it does not separate us from God permanently and eternally like it did before the blood of Jesus Christ washed that sin away. But sin in the Christian's life, in the life of the church, separates us from full fellowship, full knowledge, and full usefulness to God. Sin disrupts our fellowship with God. Sin weakens our witness for God. Sin battles to control our hearts and minds. And folks, let me just give you a quick example of this. If... if there's some issue that happens and takes place at this church, and, and it's one that creates division and dissension and confusion, and it breaks up the fellowship. Can we hide that sin within the church? 
Can we keep word of that sin from reaching out into the community? And folks, let me point something out. What we do as a church, people who are not believers are constantly watching us. And they see the sin that's not only in my life, but the sin that is in the church. And so sin will weaken our witness for the Lord. Sin will lead us away from God. Sin will keep us from being used by God. And sin is a vicious cycle of rebellion against God. Let me give you an example of that. When David committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, where did that start? It started in his heart. Now, he is the king. He is a man after God's own heart, but he is a man who also is subject to temptation. And apparently David had a lustful heart. And as he saw this beautiful woman, lust got the best of him. But it didn't stop there. The lust led to adultery. The, the lust led to lying about his act of adultery. The lust led him to deceive those that he was king over. It eventually led him to murder Bathsheba's husband. You know that story. Folks, sin always carries us farther than we wanted to go. And the beginning of sin is not the end unless we turn to God and confess it and seek his strength and his help. Folks, here's my point. You and I must not allow unconfessed sin in our hearts. And you and I must never think as Christians and as a church that what we do can be hid from God because it cannot. And a second question is, will this sin that we allow in our hearts and in our church hurt you and me in our church? And folks, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. God will take his hand off of my life and your life off of this church if we deliberately and voluntarily sin against him continually. Now, every one of us are sinners. There's no one perfect in this church. Look at everybody around you. Look at the person in the pulpit. All of us are sinners. But, folks, we must not allow sin to become detrimental to our testimony and become deadly to the church. And, folks, the third question is this. What sin is keeping you and me in our church from being completely controlled by God right now? Well, folks, here's the message in all this. It's not that I just want to tell you that I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and we're a sinner as a church. But, folks, sin will keep revival from coming to this place. And, folks, maybe we need to get back to being old-fashioned Christians and maybe we need to get serious about the sin that's in our hearts. And again, folks, I'm, I'm speaking today as a person that's burdened for my life and for your life and for the life of this church. We must not treat sin lightly. And we must see the effect of our sins upon even the body of believers here. Folks, listen to what David says in Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test my thoughts. And listen to what he says in verse 24. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Listen to what he says verse 24. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. How long has it been since we said, God, please point out my shortcomings, my sin. Folks, there's someone that's been given the responsibility by God to do that is the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said that after he had left, he would send the Spirit. And one of the things that the Spirit of God would do was convict, convince or convict the world of sin. Folks, we're talking about some serious stuff right now. But let me tell you the good news. The good news. Listen to 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sin. Now, before we read the rest of that verse, what do you think? If we confess our sin to God, what will he do? Will he put us in time out? I'm not trying to be cute this morning. How many of us need to be in time out as Christians? We need to simply sit there and say, God, I want you to x-ray me spiritually. I want you to see what's really in my heart and in my mind. Maybe it's been a while, God, since I gave you this opportunity to just show me what's keeping me from really being in full control and lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How long has it been since we as Christians have felt that cleansing of the Spirit of God? Because we've come before him confessing our sin and turning from them back to Christ. And folks, I want to tell you, when the church of Jesus Christ does that, revival comes. Well, folks, there's a third thing that I wanted you and I to ask God for as a church. We would ask God to give our church Christ-like love and unity. Love for each other that is experienced in the power and strength of Christ. I can truly tell you that as your pastor, one of my greatest burdens for our church throughout the years and one of my constant prayers for our church is that we would love each other and there would be unity. Folks, listen. There's nothing in Christ's will that cannot be accomplished if and when you and I submit to Jesus' lordship and we love one another and work together. There's nothing. There's nothing that the Lord can't do if we love him and we love each other. And in the bond of Christ's love, we can work together for his honor and for his glory. Listen to the words of our Lord in John 13, verses 34 and 35. Listen to this. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you that you also love one another. Now listen to that again. Jesus is saying, I want you to love one another like I love you. How does the Lord love us? He loves us so much that he gave himself for us. Are we willing to give ourselves for each other? This is what Jesus is saying. And folks, look at the result of the love that we would have for each other. Look at verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Folks, listen, according to the words of Jesus, what is the greatest way for people, the world, our community to know that as a church, you and I follow Jesus Christ? Now, I want you to listen to this very seriously. Will people know that we are Christians by the size of our membership or by the size of our buildings or our offerings or our leadership? Listen to what Jesus says. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And folks, let me read again Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. You remember when we were talking about being humble 
that Paul gives the example of Jesus? Well, folks, Paul gives again the example of how we are to love each other. Listen to this, Philippians 2, verses 3, 4, and 5. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Now let me ask you a question. How often do we think that we're better than somebody else, even in the church? What did Paul say? Count others better than yourselves. Let each of us look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Folks, let me point some things out. As a church, will we always agree? What's the answer to that? No. No. We'll not always agree on everything. Will you and I, as members of this church, like the same things? Will we like the same music, in the same teaching, in the same areas of mission work? And the answer to that, again, is no. Will we hurt one another's feelings? Will we misunderstand one another at times? The answer is yes. How many of us have not had our feelings hurt by somebody in the church? Folks, that's life. It's going to happen. If it hadn't happened already, it will. Will we see others' faults and shortcomings? And the answer to that is yes, we will. We already do, don't we? Will Satan try to bust us up as a church? The answer to that also is yes. And folks, our country is littered with churches that are being broken up because people no longer love each other. But what again does Jesus say in John thirteen thirty five? By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Folks, can our church continue to work together? If you and I will continue to love one another and love the Lord Jesus... I believe these other things will happen. I believe, first of all, that we'll see more people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if Jesus is all about love and the love of Jesus is not in the church, why should people be drawn to our church? And folks, listen, if we love one another as a group, we will stay focused on the will of God. We will humble ourselves. We will pray. We will seek his face. And we'll turn from our wicked ways. And folks, revival will happen. Folks, you and I need to understand that God has been so good to us and God wants to bless us even more. But we must get beyond the point of just wanting to have services on Sunday and keeping the doors open and paying the bills. We are to be lights to the world. We're supposed to turn our world upside down. That's what the early church did. They were so different than everybody else, but everybody else saw Jesus in them. And I pray that because of our love and unity and because we are yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ, people will see that we love each other. 
Folks, is it possible? Is it possible for more people to come into the kingdom of God through the ministry of this church? Is it possible for revival to take place here? Is it possible for us to love each other as Jesus commanded? You know what the answer to that is? Yes. And let me tell you why. Look at this verse and we'll close. Luke one thirty-seven. You know where this comes from. This is a story about when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child. And she says, it can't be, I don't have a husband. And the angel says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Folks, as the church of Jesus Christ, as born again believers, we must once again believe that there's nothing impossible with God. Folks, I struggle with this every single day. And I see that one of my greatest battles is faith. God is still in control, whether the world acknowledges that or not. And history is still headed toward the destination that God has. And that destination is that his son's going to come back again and take his church home. And I pray our desire would be that when he comes, he's going to find us faithful And when he comes, more people will have been led into the kingdom of God because we've been faithful to the work that he's given us here. I believe God wants to do a lot in my life, in your life, and in the life of this church in the remaining weeks and months of 2012. But folks, it's up to us. What are we asking God to do? What are we allowing him to do? Let us pray. Father, search our hearts. Point out in our hearts, Lord, those things that are sinful and that make you sad and are leading us away from you. Lord, I pray that you will bless this church in this new year. And Lord, you've already done it. Thank you for your son who has made us your children. Thank you for... His dying on the cross, not only for us, but to establish his church. And Father, remind us that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for our church that you'll bless us. I pray, Lord, that you'll use us, that more people will come to know Christ as their Savior through each ministry of every member. I pray, Lord, that you'll bring revival. God, I pray that you'll keep us together and that we would truly love one another as you have loved us. Father, help us not to be ashamed to bow in your presence and say, Lord, I need a new start. There's some sin that I've been hiding or I thought I could hide from you. Lord, there's been some opportunities you've given me to be faithful and to bear witness, but Lord, I've squandered that opportunity. Give me another opportunity. Lord, awaken us. Awaken us to the opportunities that are before us, to fields that are white unto harvest with people that that want to know about Jesus but need someone simply to share it by word and by action. And, Lord, this morning I pray that even as we have a hymn of invitation, Lord, that you'll speak to hearts and, Lord, that you'll guide decisions to be made. In Jesus' name.